Welcome back, everyone. We all got the chance to listen to our next guest on the NFR round interviews a few times, and we're beyond excited to have had the chance to sit down with the world champ herself, Jordan Briggs, after her incredible performance at the finals. Even before she won her gold buckle, Jordan has been one of the most consistent trainers and jockeys in our sport. The years in between her two NFR appearances were spent winning in the fraternity world and breeding and training incredible horses with her husband, Justin. We can't wait to watch what Jordan and Rolo do in 2022. Hope you enjoy. For more stories about our great equine athletes and their trainers, owners, and breeders, check out what our partners at BarrelRacingMagazine.com have created. Their web content is top quality and free. Plus, while you're there, sign up for the Barrel Racing Magazine newsletter to get timely news plus training tips and a whole lot more sent straight to your inbox. From NFR qualifiers to circuit news, fraternity coverage, and more, Barrel Racing Magazine has it all covered. Also, whether you're at the barn, on the road, or in the arena, check out BarrelRacing.com from the convenience of your device. BarrelRacing.com brings beginning to advanced barrel racing instruction from the most respected voices in the industry, accessible to you anytime, anywhere. Up your game by watching legendary trainers at work like newly crowned WPRA world champion Jordan Briggs. Plus new releases with fraternity champion Andre Coelho, NFR qualifier Cheyenne Wimberly, and a whole lot more. Train smarter, not harder with BarrelRacing.com in 2022. Well, let's welcome our world champ. Jordan, you're in the hot seat. Kayla, take it away. This is The Money Barrel. All right, we finally are getting the chance to talk to our new world champ, Jordan Briggs. It took a couple times for us to get together, but it almost worked out perfectly because we were going to talk before the finals, and now we get to talk about your world championship. Has it sunk in at all? No, it hasn't. Um, I, I definitely, like, when I look at Rolo, I definitely think, you know, he's a world champion, and it sunk in that... You know, like, I think it's so cool that we own a world champion, but I do not, I haven't looked at myself as a world champion yet. My husband calls me champ all the time now. (laughs) It's my nickname and it drives me crazy. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, but I'm, uh, I'll be excited to get the gold buckle in the mail. You know, like they take it away from you to put your name on it. And so I feel like when I get that in the mail, um, like all the emotions will just come back. That's so funny. How long does that take? I don't know. I have no idea. Just one day you're going to go to the mail and be like, oh my God, I'm a world champ. (laughs) Pretty much. Yes. It's going to be a total surprise. That's awesome. So we, we got to talk to you a little bit on the podcast during the NFR and the round wins and the average wins and everything. Um, but tell us, I mean, tell us a little bit about Vegas, like what your schedule was when you got there, who helped you, and just overall, like how you managed the week. Um, so, you know, I'm always the person that's like, I don't need any help. If I can't do it myself, I'm just not going to do it, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> so Justin had entered the World Series finals like way before that we even thought about me making the NFR. And so we just joked like, ha ha, we'll be at there at the same time and it'll work out great. Well, it happened. 
He was entered in the roping, and I was at the NFR, and it was a cluster a little bit because I can't do everything by myself there, and I really need Justin's help. And then there was three days where he wasn't even going to be around to help me do anything, and um, we ended up rock and roll cowgirl bought us a room at the Virgin Hotel, which was literally next door to our horses that stayed on the grounds there at the Thomas and Mac. So that was amazing. We could like walk to the horses. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. And check on them, which I hated having Rolo in a stall for two weeks, but he got out of the stall three times a day. He got to roll. He got his baths. Like we did everything in our power to get him out of the out of the stall as much as possible but I feel like he got really good rest there he didn't have to load in a trailer and be in traffic um so it worked out really well and anyways I did end up having a friend come out and help me uh that fourth fifth and sixth round while Justin was at the roping And she got Rolo out of the stall and helped me with all that stuff while I was signing autographs uh, for my sponsors at the convention center pretty much every day. I would kind of stack some of my autograph sessions up and have several a day so I could have like a couple days off in between. But for the most of the part during the day, we're extremely busy. And so when you get to your horse to run at night, that is honestly the most relaxing part. (laughs) That's that's when you could take a deep breath. Yes. And uh, like those first three days, Justin and I did everything ourselves. And then by the time my friend came out to help us, we realized how exhausted we already were because we got excited and went out way too early because we were just excited to go. And then by the time that first round rolled around, we were like, we, we feel like we've already been here a week. <laughs> and anyways, my friend ended up staying the rest of the time because I was like, we can't do I realize now that I can't do this without you. So please stay till the end. Please. I need help. <laughs> yeah. And she was so great about it. Like she was not, she was like, well, of course I'm staying. Cause first off, we can't change anything because you're doing fantastic. And like, we're talking, she wore the same outfit every night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she was dedicated to the cause. She was. So, uh, Kayla Corey was amazing for me out there. That's awesome. Um, when did so you guys got out there a little bit early, but when did you actually get to Vegas? Um, gosh, it feels like it's been forever ago. But um, so we left Friday after Thanksgiving, and we took our time getting out there. We only drove like six or seven hours a day. We had two layover spots, so I guess that was. We had all day Sunday and Monday to just kind of get settled in, relax, kind of do our own fun stuff. Because Justin and I never do anything fun. We're workaholics. <laughs> and you so left Bexley at home, right? You guys were just able to go out there by yourselves yeah. to start? Yes. Bexley stayed at home because, you know, we had sponsorship commitments, um, Perina took us out for a dinner that Monday night, and then I think we had the buckle ceremony Tuesday, then Wednesday was the horse of the year stuff, and I think it got started on that Thursday. Okay. 
Yeah, that's way easier to not bring a toddler to Vegas. Yes, and there was times, like, at the buckle ceremony, all of the little kids were dressed up, and they were all, you know, like, seeing J.B. Mooney's little boy and Wade (laughs) Sundell's little boy just, like, riding bowls all night with their gloves on. (laughs) That's so awesome. I was like, oh, I wish my little barrel racer was here to hang out with them, but... For the most part, I'm very glad I did not have a toddler that long in Vegas. How did you prepare to get ready to go? I mean, were you running Rolo or um, did he have a break? Because I know you guys went home not early summer, but I mean, not September 30th either. Yeah, so I think September 9th was the last day of Ellensburg and we headed home from then. So he pretty much had September, October, November. Um, I only ran him like maybe once or twice a month. Okay. And like we went, I ran him at the Stephenville Rodeo like that last weekend because I needed some more circuit rodeos and Stephenville pays very well. Um, we went, I went to Northside just for us to like get some timing in a tiny little indoor because we're coming off of those big outdoor pins and he did really good. I was kind of relying everything on that Northside run just to see how many runs we needed to make. And he ran, you know, cruised a 13, seven and worked phenomenal. So then I was just like, okay, well, we'll go to the WPRA finals, run at the card holder. It counts for next year's money and see how that goes. And he won second there behind Donna Kay. And so I felt prepared to do what, you know, to be a, we were first timers, you know, it's very intimidating to go run against, of course, the best in the world, but also horses that have ran in that arena a lot. Yeah. And so I just felt prepared for our first time to see what was going to happen. When you got to Vegas, how did you approach, like, the practices to get ready for round one? Um, that first barrel is a little intimidating. And so I wanted to get the feel of that first barrel in practice. And I ran a little high on it in practice and kind of missed it. And that kind of screwed me up for the first couple rounds, I feel like, because then I started, I thought maybe I started to the left of the alleyway too much in practice, and that's why I ran high on it. So I feel like those first, you know, three, four rounds, I was still messing with my angle to the first barrel, and I wasn't just nailing it, and... uh so it's it's tough. It's a really tough setup. Like you feel like you're pretty prepared because your horses ran at Ellensburg or, you know, all these big rodeos. But when when you're in that alleyway crammed in there and the flag girls run by you and the stagecoach runs by you, that's when you're like, okay, this is a rodeo you cannot prepare for. Um my horse is seven years old. Like that first round, I was like, okay, buddy, let's just keep the eggs in the basket. <laughs> so um, those first three rounds, like I was having some mistakes, but still getting in the money. Mm-hmm. And I was pumped. 
Like, I was like, yes, like, I don't, you know, I don't even care. Like, I'm getting money, and we're figuring it out, and I'm so excited. And then the fourth round rolls around, and I still playing with that angle to the first barrel, and I really, I didn't have a very good run in the fourth round, and that's the round I didn't place in. And that's when my attitude changed from just being happy to be here and glad that I'm getting checks to, okay, <laughs> we need to get better. <laughs> so we get to practice every other day. And so luckily after the fourth round, I had practiced that next morning and practice is at 6am in the morning. And so I woke up early, determined and uh, I figured out my first barrel. I made a bit change that day also. And that's when, you know, things started going onward and upward. Started clicking. When, uh, tell us a little bit about the two bits you run Rolo in, because I know it depends on what your pen is or how strong he's running. Um, and yeah, you switched and he was all of a sudden like, all right, I'm not missing first anymore. Yeah, so... Um, I ran him in the Kerry Kelly Hemi a lot his fraternity year, but as he got more solid into his derby year, I switched to the Hackamore because Rolo's very round. He's almost too honest. And so I felt like in a Hackamore, I can kind of bring that outside shoulder to the barrel better because sometimes he'll run so honest and I pull him to the barrel and he just kind of bends in half. Mm-hmm. And so that hackamore has kind of always been my safety net of just indoors for sure. My safety net indoors. And so I just, I ran him in the hackamore at the card holder and that's what I felt comfortable running him in there. But I needed a little more, a bit more grab to the first barrel with that blind angle. And he was just kind of dumping on his front end in the hackamore and not giving me that quick move and so and my husband told me to switch to the bit like after the second go round and i was like no he's too sharp in that bridle and i don't want to hit a barrel or have something a little too sharp happen and so i'll give justin the credit i ignored him for a couple (laughs) rounds and kept running him in the hackamore until it pissed me off And uh, so anyways, then we we switched to the Carrie Kelly Hemi, which is normally my outdoor bit, but it just gave me that extra bite that I needed to have sharp corners in that little arena. So after you made the change and, you know, you're, you're getting aggressive, you want to, you know, win the rounds, not just plays, when did it start clicking that, like, you guys might have a chance to, you know, win the average Did you think about winning the world? Like, did those thoughts ever enter, you know, that last half of the week before, you know, the final round or two? So, uh, because, because Rolo is so solid and he honestly hadn't hit a barrel all year, um, I went to the NFR with the average in mind. Okay. For sure. Like, that was my goal, was the average. Um. But like I said, that fourth round, by the time I kind of got started getting pissed off, like I had placed in the first, second, third round, I think I, I 
I placed in the fifth round too, like fourth. I think that was my best check by the fifth round was fourth place. And I had won just as much money as someone who had won one round. So then you kind of start getting like, okay, I need to step it up a little bit because even though the the average pays $70,000 nearly, you're still five runs away from the average. <laughs> yeah, and the rounds are so much money. Yes, and they, you know, you start counting up what other people have already won and you're like, dang, I need to start doing a little bit better. So, um, yes, my mental uh, started getting sharper that I wanted to go at the rounds more so I could win more money and have that for sure, you know, because you never know what can happen by the end of it. Yeah. Because really by that fourth and fifth round, you're like already like, holy crap, I've already ran my horse four or five times and I still have to run him five or six more times. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long week. It's a long it 10 is. days. Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, you just, you know, you, you learn things from every run and Rolo's just so solid and gives me so much confidence that we just kept, I just, I just kept having more confidence in him. He kept having more confidence and I was really proud of him, of course, but also proud of myself because I am such an average minded person to just kind of stay in there and keep plugging away that I was really shocked and proud that we went out and won that eighth and ninth round. And I did not think about a world championship until probably the night, really until after the ninth round. I was going to say, you know, um, everybody, I mean, we did it on the podcast. Like those of us that are just watching talk about it all the time. Um, but, sure. you know, when people were like only X amount of dollars or this or that or this is what you have to do. Like, did you know any of that or were you like, no, I'm blocked out. I don't care. I just have to go run my horse. Yeah, I I didn't want to know, to be mm -hmm. honest. I just wanted to keep doing our thing and focus on the average. Yeah. And I just didn't want to think about the gold buckle because there's a lot of things that can happen. You know, a gold buckle, it just it just has to be your day. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things have to go right. Because now, of course, that I've won the world buckle or won the gold buckle, I think back on I almost quit after Dodge City and was just happy with making the NFR. And so if I wouldn't have went to the Northwest and won $30,000 more, I wouldn't even had a chance. Yeah, that's true. Like every, everything counts. Like there's, there's always another race, but then again, like every run counts too. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, just like thinking about those little things that make a difference. Mm -hmm. I just thought, you know, whatever happens you know, it's going to happen. And I'm competing, you know, it was pretty much a race between Haley and I at the end. And, you know, she has dominated our sport for years. And, you know, she's a force to be reckoned with. And I didn't even want to wreck with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just want to be happy that I'm here and that, you know, I have such a good, good, I had a really great chance to win the average. And so I just kept thinking that for sure. So, you but, know, we, we all know Haley runs first. You know what you have to do in the 10th round. Just get around three barrels and it's all yours. When you turn that third barrel, were you just like 
oh my gosh, <laughs> what did I just yeah. do? <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely, um, you know, well, before, before, so let me talk about the 10th day. Yeah, yeah, tell us, tell us the whole thing. <laughs> I, I decided to sign, one of the days I had to sign autographs was the last day. <laughs> And I can't tell you how many people wanted to talk about the situation I was coming into. And I just kind of had to smile and block them out. And then um, I had friends, like longtime friends, or my mom's friends. Uh, Gail Jones was one of them, Casey Jones's wife. I've known her since I was a little kid. And she came up to me to get my autograph, and she just started bawling. <laughs> And it was, you know, just people, you just know, like, people are rooting for you so much. They know the situation that you're in, and they don't even have to say a word. You just know. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, like, I almost started crying, too. And I'm just like, Gail, like, please don't, please don't do this to me. <laughs> and, you know, it was a stressful day. And... But then when I got on my horse to warm up for that 10th round, I was, I was so emotional because I was so proud to even be in that situation to have to worry about what was going to happen, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what somebody, cause somebody came up to me and they were like, you know, if you're stressed, if you're worried or whatever you're feeling right now, just be proud that you're even in the situation. And I was like, you're right. That's, that's so true. And so I had a couple of people come up to me and wish me good luck. And I like almost cried just then because I was just like, you know, I was just, I was just so happy to even be in the situation on my little red horse for our first time at the NFR. And uh, so that was my mindset. And that's what I told Justin's mindset to be. You know, uh, there was a couple times he let it slip. Like, you have to, you know, outplace her this last round. You have to, do, you know, there was a couple things he let slip because he was just so excited and he couldn't help but tell me what was happening. <laughs> and um, I was just like, you know what, what, what happens what will, will happen. You know, we're just, we're just focusing on the average. And uh, so when Haley hit the barrel, obviously I heard the crowd just, you know, be devastated for her. And then my husband looks at me and he was like, okay, don't screw up. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Thanks I for know. that. I was just like, shut up. <laughs> and so um, I definitely, you know, kept my kept my hands on the reins two-handed a little longer than I normally do and made sure to hit our spots. And I definitely took a big, big deep breath running home and was just smiling from ear to ear on the way home. It was just, you know, a dream come true for sure. So cool. I'm sure your phone when you got back to it was just like exploding. Oh, yes. Well, and like every night... There were so many people in my corner rooting me on. And um, there were several nights where I didn't know how I placed or 
what happened because you know you kind of just want to get out of there and get back to the stall to take care of your horse and I uh, you know people were telling sending me my video and letting me know what I was placing and uh just, I had a lot of support and I felt it and it was just it was very humbling to have that many people cheering for you. That's so awesome. You call yourself uh, a rookie and you're a rookie with Rolo but you made it before with Jester so this was your second trip um, even though you you know had some time in between there but did you take anything from your first trip that you learned to kind of help you or like did you really treat this as like a whole brand new experience? Um, I think, you know, when I, when I made it on gesture, um, you know, I was like 21 years old and I, you know, I kind of grew up thinking I was going to make the NFR every year and that's what I was going to do for a living because that's what my mom did. And so I probably took that trip a little bit for granted because it did happen so fast for me and you know, I just kind of expected it to, because that's what I was, you know, that's what I was born to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And now going to the NFR in my thirties with a family and definitely have more financial sense. It was, it was definitely different. I think it was um, definitely more gratefulness just to be there and work so hard to get there, whether it's, all the horses I've trained up to this point and just the hard work we put into Rolo to get there and just the year I had to get there. Um, and then just like, it's amazing to be able to run at that kind of money. Yeah. And so I really took it as a business sense also that, you know, I need to capitalize on being able to win this much money for sure. In both years, you basically only had one horse. I, I know Frenchman's Future kind of came back and you had her in the trailer a little bit this summer, but like otherwise, you really only had one rodeo horse, right? Yes, and uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. When <clears throat> when I decided to kind of keep Rolo and possibly pursue the rodeo deal, I was, you know, I had one first class lady, which was, she was one of my favorite horses I've ever had, and and everybody did tell me, like, you need to keep her and have two to rodeo on. But I honestly couldn't sleep at night owning two horses that were worth that much money. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but I just couldn't. It just, it's just not good peace for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, rodeo, until you get the NFR, isn't very financially stable. And... So I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And I, my mom was a one horse person and I'm not just a rodeo crazy person. And so I just thought, you know, if something happens to Rolo or whatever, then I just go back to training horses. And I, I don't think I would be good at deciding what horse to run where. I think I would kind of fight my head if I had too many horses to pick from, which is a great problem to have. But I, I just, I think that, you know, you get so in tuned with your one horse and I think that's a beautiful thing. And so I just wanted to do it that way. 
I mean, that really does make sense. And, and I'm glad you brought her up. And I know we asked this before, um, but I've, I was really interested on like, what made you decide to keep Rolo? Because, and I know Rolo won a ton of money his fraternity year, but I mean, one first class lady was like right there with him. I mean, he, she won a ton too. So, I mean, what kind of made you decide to sell her, keep him, you know, when usually you sell your fraternity colts? Um, you know, there was a couple factors. Um, Rolo was a little bit more solid as in the fact like, um, Lola is one first class lady's name. She's, she has big moves. Um, she runs in there. She drags her butt. She has a hard move on the backside. And I just didn't know if she could handle all rodeo ground. Makes um, sense. And another thing is, is just, you know, people love to buy mares. Yeah. And also, I have had some really crappy luck with breeding and having babies. (laughs) And I honestly didn't even want to keep a mare that would make me breed her and have embryos and do all that stuff like I've I've been doing that with Stoli and you know she broke her hawk and God God made her a broodmare and that's what we're doing but I've had some crappy luck with it and it has been heartbreaking to me to lose babies and to have sicknesses and so it just came at a time where I was like you know what there's nothing better than a gelding because they can't reproduce and their babies can't die (laughs) (laughs) you know that's actually probably really solid advice (laughs) it is like I was I uh, I had a couple of Stoli's babies die and it was so heart-wrenching to me and I just couldn't handle that anymore yeah, and like you said, if Rolo gets hurt or got hurt, you could go home and train some more. Like, it's not it's not as heart-wrenching. Now, Rolo, don't get hurt, but. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah, and just, you know, to keep him possibly for Bexley to ride later on. And, um, you know, we'll, I'll go into my year because it was a crazy year. Yeah, uh, tell us about your 2021. That was going to be my next question. So, last year, 2020, I had big plans of rodeoing then, at least to get help me get into the big rodeos for 21. Well, we all know COVID hit and kind of rained on everybody's parade. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, there wasn't very many rodeos. And the rodeos they did have, limited Castle Rock, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they so, did. I, you know, I just really didn't have much of a chance of fulfilling that goal. And so I, so going into 2021, I entered Odessa because it was a qualifier for San Antonio. And that was my big goal. Like I am going to do good at Odessa. I am going to qualify for San Antonio. And that is really going to jumpstart me. And I did it. And in between Odessa and San Antonio, I hit a barrel with my toe and broke some bones in my ankle and tore all the ligaments away from my ankle ankle and was non-weight bearing for two and a half months. I remember that. I guess I didn't even realize that was this year. Yes. So that was February, March, and half of April. 
I was riding a knee scooter. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to turn out of San Antonio and I had to turn out of the semifinals of the American. And I was bummed because I really felt prepared for the American semifinals, like keeping a horse and having him rodeo season. Like I was stoked for the American, but it didn't happen. And I, you know, had to sit in the house and ride my new scooter for two and a half months. And I was super bummed. Um, I had a phone call that asked me if I would sell Rolo and I priced him and they said, yes, that was a Monday. Um, I said, you know, everything was good, and they had a vet check scheduled for him on a Wednesday. Um, Tuesday, I go to physical therapy to try to learn how to walk again and to move my ankle. And I called my husband while I was in the waiting room at physical therapy with my mask on. With My mask was catching my tears as I was crying in the waiting room. (laughs) And Justin was at home shooing Rolo to get his feet put back together from his vacation for the vet check. And I just said, I can't do it. Like, if anything makes me appreciate that horse and that I want to get on him again so bad, it's this dang broken ankle. And he started tearing up also. And he was like, let's. I don't want to do it either. We love this horse. And so I backed out. That's incredible. Yeah. And so I think I did physical therapy for like two more weeks. And we entered San San Angelo was my first rodeo back like the end of April. And he did great at San San Antonio or San Angelo. And then I got to go to Diamond where Haley and I split the win. And it just kind of went up from there. And so this year was just definitely just uh, a grateful year, you know, to be, to have some things taken away from you, to not being able to walk and then being able to get on you know, to just kind of see a future for Rolo and I, and then capitalize on it. It just, it really was like a dream come true. And one of those lessons where you just tell yourself, like, you know, you just, you can't worry about things. You can't get discouraged. You just have to let God tell you what's going to happen and just roll with the punches and trust the outcome. And it really, I mean, it really is. It's like a fairy tale, but you know, it's it's a lot of years in the making, and it just sure. it just was your turn. It was, yeah. And I think I think that's something I'll take out of it forever. Which I do look back and think, well, if it was my if it was my turn, I shouldn't have broke my ankle. <laughs> but I guess. Um, you know, when, when the books came around to Reno, I was like, you know, we sold our place this year also, and we're home, we're homeless for a time being. And, I, you know, I was like, man, it's just not, it's not my year. Like, I broke my ankle. I'm far behind. Like, I, sh- I shouldn't do this. We sold our place. I have a family. You know, all of those things went through my head again. Mm-hmm. of why I was going to sell my horse in the first place. Um, but Justin just was like, nope, 
you're going to do it. You kept him for a reason. We're financially stable for you to do this. Like, just just go and enjoy your horse. And so that's what I did all year was I just enjoyed my horse. When you left for the summer, you went by yourself, right? Like, Justin and Beck stayed home. So my mom and Bexley came with me for the first three weeks. Oh, okay. Then I was, then they flew home um, and I was by myself for about three weeks. And then Justin and Bexley flew out to help me at the Northwest for like three weeks. So I wasn't, I was by myself for a little bit, but Bexley was with me majority of the time. Did she love it? Did she have fun? Yes, she loved it, which three-year-olds, holy smokes, they are a pain in the butt. And we had, we had a lot of, we had a lot of fun and we tried to do, you know, we tried to do all kinds of sightseeing and went to the hot springs in Thermopolis and, you know, we did a lot of fun stuff too, but man, there's no harder work than being a mother. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I just thought of this at the Colorado Classic in Torrington, you had told me you're like, enjoy the baby stage because when they hit two, it's like a whole new world and cash is now two. <laughs> yeah. I understand what you mean. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, well, that, that year into two or whatever, where you have to worry about everything they put in their mouth or <laughs> if they're going to fall down the stairs or like, and then now I'm in the stage of like the temper tantrums and the talking back and the throwing the fits and, um, yeah, it is, it's a battle every day. I wouldn't trade her for the world, but I'm, I'm not going to say that I didn't enjoy rodeoing by myself for <laughs> a short period of time. <laughs> I, you I, know what? Honesty. Honestly. Yeah. I look back on it and I'm like, man, that was a good time. I think I took a few naps and <laughs> I enjoyed that time. But when she was there, we enjoyed it too. And we had, we have a lot of fun with her. That's awesome. Um, everybody listening, I'm sure knows who your mother is. Uh, you know, the yes. great Christy Peterson. Um, did she like getting back on the road and going with you and is the new stage of, you know, grandma instead of the main competitor? Yeah, she loves it, um, and she's awesome at it. She was so knowledgeable, you know, going with me for those first three weeks, and that was right over the 4th of July. And you can kind of get caught up in the, I need to enter four rodeos a day mm-hmm. mindset, and my mom was so the opposite of that. And... So there was a few rodeos over the 4th of July that she was just like, you do not need to do this. And I was like, well, mom, I, I'm not doing great. Like, I need to be going to more rodeos. And she's like, just just chill out. Like, it'll happen the way it's the way it's supposed to happen. So don't kill yourself. Don't kill your horse. Like, just relax. And so... There was, I turned out of a couple rodeos over the 4th of July because I got up bad and they would have been like all night drives. And like we had two days off in Thermopolis, Wyoming and went to the hot springs for like two days over the 4th of July. (laughs) (laughs) That's just her wisdom, her wisdom and knowing what to do. Yeah, for sure. And so she really helped me not get in that 
that mindset of I'm behind, I need to run more, I need to enter more and and just just that stuff. And of course she was great help with Bexley and so that Bexley could come with me. Um, that was very important to me that I wasn't just gone for huge long periods of time without my child. And so she helped make that happen and put her life on hold for me. And, uh, and she had great wisdom at the finals too. When I was frustrated that I wasn't, you know, placing as high as I wanted to be, she, you know, just was like, you're doing awesome. And then towards the end, when the stakes were high, and there was a lot of pressure on me. She was like, just go out there and you and Rolo just make your run. It's just you and Rolo out there. That's what she'd say every night. It's just you and Rolo. That's it. She, we're, we're kind of going backwards in your story. Um, but tell us a little bit about, I mean, basically, Bexley just went through how you grew up with your mom rodeoing so I mean tell us a little bit about you know your growing up and what you can remember you know going to the rodeos as a kid and then what kind of led you into barrel racing or when you started you know competing yourself uh so that's when that's when um so when I was gonna sell Rolo and I decided not to that is why I decided not to because I was thinking I shouldn't have a rodeo horse. I have a child at home and 20 head of horses and a husband that's definitely taken a lot of time off of his life to make me successful. Um, And so that's why I was going to sell Rolo. But then I remembered my childhood and how much I loved going to the rodeos and meeting all the great people that we met, the people that we stayed with that I stayed with this summer on the rodeo trail that fed me and made sure my horse had a great place to stay this summer was the same people we stayed with when my mom was rodeoing. That's amazing. Was rodeoing with my mom. And they're just the greatest. They're just the greatest people. Like everybody takes care of each other. We all know what we're going through or what it like, and just simple, good, hardworking people. And if, in, if there's any time in the world that we need to appreciate those people or we just want to go home to those people, it's right now. Yeah. And so I haven't rodeoed in, you know, 10 years. And so the last couple of years of going to my first rodeos in a long time, I, I can't tell you how much I took for granted the national anthem and the patriotism and all that stuff that goes on at a rodeo, the people standing for the anthem, praying and, you know, praying for our service members. And I, it was just such a fresh breath of air to go to rodeos and see that. And my child, because of the Cowboy Channel and watching rodeos on TV, she stood for the national anthem and put her hand over her heart since the day she could stand. Oh, I love that. And, And she knows she can sing the national anthem. She sings it at the rodeos. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just, I, I wouldn't imagine myself ever growing up, wanting to grow up in a different, different place or different people. And so I thought, well, while Bexley's not in school and I can capitalize on Rolo, why not have her grow up in this environment also? 
So cool. I mean, what what a perfect opportunity. I mean, your your bozo comes to your life at the same point that your mom had the real bozo. For sure. Yeah. And it, it's really it's really special. Um I like busted out crying at the WPRA banquet because Joe Beaver, you know, was the host. And I've known him since I was a little kid. Him and his his boy and I were best friends at the rodeos when we were tiny and it just he told me that he's like why did you keep this horse you've sold so many and here you are and I just started crying because I'm like this this is why because I get to be on stage with you and I've known you since a little kid and all these great people that are here today I want my little girl to grow up in this I love it so much um I guess we didn't even really talk about like when when you got Rollo and you know when you started riding them and everything. Obviously, you had them when you were pregnant with Bexley. So tell us a little bit about like when Rollo entered your guys's life. Um, so the Busbys were getting a big breeding program and had some nice horses, and we were we were looking for some horses to buy. And so I reached out to her to go up there and look at their colts. And I had never really been around Blazing Gentilinas before or seen them. And we just went out to the pasture of geldings, because uh, mainly because the geldings were cheaper than the mares. And we just fell in love with Rolo. We didn't even know how he was bred. And, like, we saw him and we were just like, we want that one. How was that one bred? And they told us he was the son of Dash of Fame out of a Blazing Jetalina mare. And I was like, oh, gosh, we can't afford that one. <laughs> <laughs> I picked the good one, but we can't afford him. Yes. And uh, so anyways, he we bit the bullet because, like, we really don't spend that much money on horses. I mean, compared to what they cost now. Yeah. Um, the most, you know, the highest price prospect I had ever bought was $22,000. And that was a broke three-year-old. And so, uh, so Rolo was like $20,000 as a yearling. And like, you know, this was six years ago. Yeah. Things are a little different this, just this year. (laughs) And, uh, so anyways, we got him and turned him out in the pasture the rest of his yearling year. And, broke him as a two-year-old he was a handful as a two-year-old he did not give to the bridle you pulled one way he went the other way um you know he was pretty watchy he bucked me off um a couple times in one day he bucked me off twice in one day as a three-year-old and anyways I was planning on paying him into the juvenile because I had him I felt like he was pretty solid and ready to go to go to the juvenile and right before that payment was due I found out I was pregnant and so I just did not want to waste his fraternity year with me being laid up in the house and so I just said that's I said you know let's just forget about him Justin you can rope on him his four-year-old year like we're gonna save him as a five-year-old because this horse has so much potential there's no point in rushing it and that was probably the best thing that could have happened um he needed that extra year to just be good under pressure mm-hmm. and 
Justin got to rope on him and make him a great rope horse. He went to a, several ropings before he ever went to a fraternity. And uh, and that's what made him the horse he is today, that he was a five-year-old fraternity horse. I mean, again, just such perfect timing because, yeah, he, he got to grow up getting pressure in the roping side of things before you even had to enter him. Yes, and that was very important because they, he did go through some um, trying times as a fraternity horse. I think he did terrible at your fraternity. I and do then, think so. I think because you won it on Lola and you're like, I'm sure glad I had her because I don't think yes. I don't think he was in like the tootie. Like. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't even I think I pulled him up. Actually. Yeah. Um, he went through a stage where he got really strong to the first barrel. And because he's so honest, when he was strong, he wouldn't go to the barrel. <laughs> and I was just like, what the heck? Like, dash your fans are supposed to turn. <laughs> but he, he, did, he did great things early in his fraternity year because I didn't go so fast to the first barrel. And so by that summer, he had probably already won like $50,000, $60,000 that I thought, all right, it's time to start dropping the hammer and this sucker's really going to win some money. And we went through like a no time period. <laughs> um, I will tell this story just because I think it gives people hope. Um, we went to Utah for two fraternities. The first fraternity in Utah, uh, he had a decent run in the first round, but got by the first barrel. And I was playing with a tie down on him at this point. And so for that second run at Utah, I tightened my tie down one more hole because I'm like, you're, you're going to turn that first barrel better today so we can place in the average. And he ran into that first barrel, hit that tie down, and ran right back out the arena. <laughs> and I had never, like, I was in shock because I had, like, never had a horse really go off pattern before. And I was like, holy crap, what just happened? And so we had, you know, Monday through Friday to get ready for the next fraternity that was in that same arena. And Justin found a team roping in town. And so Rolo went to a team roping in the middle of nowhere in Utah that week, got some training, training sessions that week. Jordan swallowed her pride and took the tie down off. <laughs> and he won that he won the fraternity that next weekend i love that i mean that just really shows like no matter how good they are, are there are just always ups and downs especially when for you're sure. training them yes that's yep, so funny sure. what an awesome year and some awesome stories from our newly crowned world champ Want to hear more from Jordan? Kayla spends about 15 more minutes with her talking about her mental game. And you can hear that by subscribing to The Money Barrel at Patreon.com or on the Patreon app today, along with so much more bonus content. For $5 a month, the cost of a single exhibition. Something tells me we'll be seeing a lot more from Jordan and Rolo. Big thank you to our partners at Barrel Racing Magazine and BarrelRacing.com. Go sign up for the Barrel Racing Magazine's newsletter today so you can begin prepping for your run at the 2022 rodeo season. Who knows, you might be our next world champ with some help from Barrel Racing Magazine's lineup of legendary trainers. All right, everyone, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.